Hey everyone, this is Eric Endress, the host of In Case of Emergency, the podcast where we talk about keeping people safe, managing and responding to emergencies, and much more. This is episode two, being recorded from Los Angeles, California, where we are on site for the National Superintendents Conference and visiting some of our customers in the Los Angeles area. Each week on this podcast, we're going to sit down with all sorts of folks who play a role in all this, whether they're school administrators, principals, law enforcement officers, or firefighters, emergency managers, anybody who has expertise or experience, experience worth sharing, we're going to connect with them and bring them to you. Uh, before we begin, a little bit about me. I'm the CEO of OnScene Technologies based in Ramsey, New Jersey. I spent 30 years in the volunteer fire rescue service in my hometown, and I'm a recipient of the New York City Mayor Award for Heroism and Bravery. Five years ago, my partners and I set out to create products that would transform the way leaders and public safety commanders could manage workplace emergencies. And today, our product, Share 911, is deployed in school districts, government agencies, and corporations of all sizes. Along the way, we've been fortunate to meet and connect with many interesting people who share our passion for keeping people safe. And that brings me to today's guest, Steve Forte, the superintendent of Denville, New Jersey Township Schools, and Chief Christopher Wagner, who uh, just retired from uh, law enforcement with the Denville Police. First of all, Chief, congratulations on your retirement. And maybe we can start by you telling us a little bit about your law enforcement experience. How did you become uh, a police officer? What was your, the highlight to your career when you look back now? And, um, you know, maybe tell people a little bit about that experience. Sure, thanks. And, and let me start with a thank you for having us both on your podcast today. So I just retired uh, a week ago Thursday after 30 and a half years in law enforcement in the Denville Township Police Department here in New Jersey. And for the last 11 and a half of those years, uh, I was fortunate enough to serve as the seventh chief of police of the Denville Police Department. Um, I entered into law enforcement, the first person in my family to ever be a police officer, um, and the only uh, a person since then. No one else has followed in my footsteps yet. Uh, and I had also served, similar to you, as a volunteer fireman for about 10 years in my hometown of Wharton, New Jersey. So I think that's where I may have caught the, uh, the public service bug. Cool. Um, I was drawn to law enforcement for many of the similar reasons that we, we joined the fire department to help people, um, to help our community, and, and to have that sense of uh, service above self. And uh, I, I really had a great ride in New Jersey, or I'm sorry, here in Denville for 30 years. Uh, and some of the highlights were uh, very early on in my career, I was selected to be the DARE officer. Uh, and for just about five years, I taught every single uh, kindergarten through fifth grade child in all of the Denville schools, um, you know, methods and techniques for staying away from drugs and, and making healthy decisions and, and understanding uh, consequences and decision making. And that was a really good platform for me to begin my career here because I had an opportunity to meet so many people. Uh, I enjoyed my time on the road as a police officer, uh, you know, playing cops and robbers and catching bad guys. Uh, but I knew there was more to it than that. And uh, about midway through my career, I began to get a taste of a little bit of legislative work uh, and how we could actually uh, impact a larger portion of society through um, larger programs. And, and some of those things I worked on in New Jersey were uh, teen safe driving programs for teenage drivers to drive down the number of teenage uh, driver crashes and teen driver injuries, and most importantly, teen driving fatalities. 
And that's, that's wound up being one of the most measurable, effective things that I've been in my career. And then for about the last five or six years, as have a lot of chiefs of police, um, I really began to focus on school security and school safety. And, and we have been doing this in Denville, I, I, I think in a really good way, for 10 or 11 or 12 years already uh, with you know, lockdown drills and, and deploying certain equipment, including you know, rifles in our police cars. But it was really after the Sandy Hook shooting and the tragedy there that, um, that we really got down and dirty here and, and realized that we needed to do a lot more. Uh, and I, I had the fortune, the, the, either I was fortunate uh, or unfortunate enough to meet um, uh, a parent who lost a child in mm-hmm. uh, Sandy Hook shooting. And, and that was transformational for me. When I, when I heard that woman in a, in a, in a, a group, in a training class, um, basically make me promise that I would never let, you know, another child be killed in a school and I would never let another parent have to deal with that. And I took that to heart. And, wow. and I think that's how we met Eric and, and that's how Steve and I have, have continued to work. Um, and, and my pledge up until the day I retired a week ago was that I was going to do everything in my power to make sure we could keep those little kids in school safe all the time as best we could. Well, that's awesome. It's so great to, you know, all the accomplishments and impact that you've had. It's really terrific. I applaud you. I I know a lot of police officers and um, a lot of folks like my partner, Ray, who, you know, kind of had a lot of the same impact that you did. So I know it's very rewarding. Steve, uh, how long have you been in education? How did you get into education? I know you were the superintendent somewhere else before you were in Denville. Maybe you could give people a little bit of uh, your story and then we'll jump into some of the other topics. Sure, thanks. And thank you for having me on the show too. Um, so I started out in 1990 as a teacher and fo- football and wrestling coach at Ridge High School and uh, been moved around a few times, different jobs, mostly chasing you know head coaching jobs as you're younger and then Became a, a, a elementary school principal in in Hasbrook Heights, and then I became the assistant superintendent, and then the, the uh, high school principal in Hasbrook Heights, and then from there moved on to the Verona Public Schools as the superintendent in that's mm. in Essex County. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in Hasbrook Heights, it's a small district. It was um, you know after Columbine when there were some other tragedies that were going on, and it impacted me, and I realized how how what kind of responsibility I have to keep these little guys safe and um we uh our superintendent at the time made me in charge of school security so he had me moving around to different workshops and i went to see uh, lieutenant colonel grossman and mm-hmm. i saw a, a guy named Gidditch that wrote a book about the uh, the tragedy in chechnya and um <clears throat> so it's always been something that it's, it's been close to me I was superintendent in, in Verona when the, um, when the Sandy Hook tragedy happened. And I, you know, I live in town here, so my kids go to school here, and I was superintendent there, but it, it just impacted all of us in education. In a, in a, it, it made us, and I think it lit a fire everybody, under everybody to make sure that you're doing everything you possibly can to, to ensure the safety of all the students and staff. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you can't guarantee that whatever you're doing is is foolproof, but I think we just always look at it, evaluate, and then decide things that need to change or improve. And, and I think we've been living by two, two things, basically. One is we have to always fight these two things, is we can't allow people to say it'll never happen here, because that, that's one of the things that started. And then the other thing is, if you can't do everything, don't do anything. So mm-hmm. we've, we've been fighting 
and we've been chipping away at it and doing, you know, new things every year. Uh, the chief and I have been on basically on tour for, for the fall, going around the state talking about this and our relationship. And uh, that's basically where we got to right now. Um, but we're never done. We're always working at it and always looking to improve. Well, that's terrific. Um, you've both referenced some previous tragic incidents, Columbine, Sandy Hook. Um, tomorrow marks the one-year anniversary of the tragedy in Parkland, which happened on uh, February 14th of last year. Uh, as a matter of fact, we just arrived in Nashville for the National Superintendents Conference in Nashville when the shooting occurred. And uh, it was it was pretty uh, jarring to be it, at an education conference with school administrators from all around the country and seeing the magnitude of what had happened. Uh, it was quite an experience. But in the time that's transpired over this last year, I think Parkland, probably more than even Sandy Hook, has been under a microscope um, in terms of what happened there. There's, you know, obviously there was tremendous loss of life, but what's also come from the investigation and the after action is that you know, I don't, I, I'd hesitate to call them failures, but I think that there's things that people were, you know, their eyes were kind of wide open when they, they understood what had transpired. So maybe from with both of your hats on, what do you think is, has Parkland has been the impact on for school districts and for law enforcement in terms of how they respond and, you know, what's different in, in, in just what are your thoughts on the, the situation? Um, you know, I, I think you're right. I think Parkland was um, a little bit, I don't know that it was transformational, but it definitely, it definitely shook the country and it, and it definitely shook law enforcement. Uh, you know, I want to speak about, um, I think, one of the big challenges that they face there. And, and, you know, I don't know all the facts and I'm a little bit cautious to Monday morning quarterback, but, but from the public facts, what I know is that it sounded like there was a failure on the police department to to act. It sounds like there was a, a police officer there that was supposed to be there really to protect the kids. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like they failed at that. And I can tell you that that we looked at that here in Denville and it resulted in me actually having a specific uh, a, 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 a talk with the members of the police department about um, our responsibilities and that we became police officers, and when we became police officers, we knew it was a dangerous job. And, and I had to actually say this to my police officers, not because I thought there was going to be a failure, but because I wanted them to hear me say it clearly from my mouth, that, um, that as police officers, we have a duty to respond, and, and we have an absolute obligation to put ourselves in between a dangerous, violent person and innocent little kids in a school. Um, and that we can't wait for help because we are the help. We're the people that those poor students are waiting on to save their lives. And it sounds to me like there was a failure there. And, and I'll be quite honest with you, I'm embarrassed by it. Um, and I, I think that leads me to another point that, um, you know, some people argue that, you know, well, there was a police officer at that school and it, you know, it didn't stop the carnage. And I know there have been other shootings where there have been police officers at schools. And, and one of the things Steve and I often talk about is that um, there really is no panacea. There, there's no single one thing that I can tell anyone that you should do for school security. As a matter of fact, I think we have a, a, a really great school security program here in Denville 
but we have eight different schools with five very dis distinct districts. We have, a, we have a school just filled with children with special needs, and it's a private school, and then we have a high school with 2,000 kids in it. Um, and every, every security plan is a little bit different. Um, and it's, so it's, it's, it's really about doing a whole lot of things and getting those things done right all the time. You know, there, there are some simples that, 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 wrote, that, um, that will always apply, like locking doors. I know, Eric, you frequently post on, on your social media about how you can walk up to a school and walk right in the front door. And that's just, that's just unforgivable in these days. No one should be able to just walk into a school. I don't, I don't care what the excuse is for it. Um, but when you talk about police officers, I think that police officers are a deterrent. We, it's why we have police officers in communities. Um, as the chief of police, I couldn't guarantee a crime-free community, but I could guarantee that the police would respond when something happened. So mm -hmm. I think I, for me, that was, that was the big uh, shock to the conscience was how the police responded. Um, you know, there, there are some reports coming out that even, even once they did decide to go, they didn't move fast enough, that there, there wasn't proper communication. Um, but what did come out of that in a positive way in Denville, I'll talk about, is the presence of, we, we did add more police officers to our schools. And mm -hmm. um, Steve actually, he almost marched or barged into my office on February 15th um, and asked to speak with me. And, and we birthed the idea to put um, five police officers, uh, five class three special police officers in our schools. They're retired. Um, police officers who had served a, a full career in the state of New Jersey, um, and now they work at a, a reduced salary with no pension and no health benefits. They're very affordable, um, and their job is purely to keep that building safe. They don't teach, they don't mentor, they don't lecture, they don't conduct criminal investigations. They're simply there to stop a threat, um, and it's been a very successful, I think hugely successful program um, for Steve and I and the other schools that have implemented it. I think that's um, I think that that's great. Uh, I guess you know I, we end up talking to a lot of people about Parkland uh, sometimes you know several times a day because it's it's kind of in our wheelhouse, and uh, a lot of people question this that the SRO who was on site who you know uh, tried to establish a perimeter very quickly instead of going for the shooting. Do you think that there's a unexpected psychological component? You know, like when you think about someone calls 911. So if you look at Sandy Hook, they called 911 after two minutes, they reported it and the cops drove there and they got there in five and a half minutes. I think that that's a little different than being there the moment that the gunfire rings out and having to make, and I'm not a police officer, but I'm kind of imagining that in that split second, the first thing that goes through your mind is, if I run into that building, there's a guy with a, what sounds like a really goddamn big gun and I may not get out. Therefore, yeah, I'm going to call the perimeter. <laughs> you know, like I think there is more to it almost that people don't really think about. It's not that, you know, I think he may have made a decision about what he wanted to do in response to this, and it might have been stay alive. And 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 I don't I don't doubt that. And again, I I wasn't there. Um, I've been I've been close to uh, an incident similar to that. I was I was at a shooting event in the community next to mine with about nine members of my police department, and I can tell you that at that shooting event, um, my police officers were fired upon and they returned fire. Um, right. It, 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 every event is different, um, but I think from the moment you become a police officer, and the very first time I was twenty when I became a cop, I never held a gun in my life. Mm -hmm. um, but the moment they handed me a pistol and and 
I put it in a holster. I realized that that came with a tremendous amount of responsibility and that my responsibility was that I would have to be different than everybody else. And where everyone else ran away, right. um, I would have to run too. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, a, it's a humongous sacrifice that we make. And it's something that we test for to determine that police officers are not overly aggressive, but not underly passive either. Right. And, and I think that, I, listen, I, I can understand the danger that rolls through your head, but I think we need to have cops that understand that we are better trained, we're better equipped, we know how to shoot better than some 17 or 18-year-old kid that gets a gun and walks into a school that's never, ever trained before. Mm-hmm. Um, we understand how to move, how you know, cover and concealment works, and we should just be way better and way more equipped to handle that. And I just, I just don't know that, you know, basically you're, you're, you're in a roundabout way using the words, I'm scared and calling for a perimeter, which is, you know, that's law enforcement 15 years ago. I just don't know that that's an acceptable response anymore. And I don't know that as a, as a police executive, I can defend it. I don't think I can. Yeah. So Steve, you know, from a school administrator's perspective, you talked before about you know, kind of signing up for, we're going to do everything we can to keep people safe. There's a lot of people looking at the school superintendent in Parkland. And I know the superintendent and Sandy Hook came under fire. You know, what, what does it meant to you? What are you doing differently? Um, that, you know, as a result of this. So we look at it as the eight spokes on the wheel, basically, like there's, there's all these different components that are important and none of them are more important than the others. Um, you know, like, for example, we, we don't say that putting a cop in school is the number one thing you should do. We say the number one thing you should do is, is lock your doors and, and change some behaviors. Um, we, we feel like it's a, a multi-pronged approach, but a lot of it actually is, is cost-free. I mean, there, there's no cost to just changing your behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're very serious about it, and I think everybody knows that. So when when there is some kind of an issue that happens, you know, even if it's a, something that turns out to not be a big deal, um, the people trust that you're, that you have their best interests in mind. And, um, you know, always looking at trying to improve, never, never being satisfied with where you are, no matter what you're doing, always looking at all the aspects of school security that we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I wanted to mention too, you, you talked about Parkland and, and Sandy Hook. I just find it to be a, a real shame that that it takes a tragedy of that magnitude for it to become national news. Um, you know, there was a shooting just a couple of days ago in Baltimore, uh, and really almost nobody talked about it. And and you know, we talk about we talk about Parkland all the time, but three months later there was a 10, 10 kids were killed or ten people were killed in Santa Fe, Texas. And right. you don't really even hear much about that. You know, you, you hear about Columbine mostly, right? Columbine, Sandy Hook. And Santa and um, Parkland, but some of these other tragedies are are horrible. I think anytime, anytime there's a gun or you know some type of violent act in a school, it should be significant enough to be a big deal to to everybody in the country, not just when it's you know 20 people. Um, yeah, you know that's one of the the more interesting things that occurred post Parkland is we saw school districts respond by, you know, we have to put bullet resistant film on our windows. We're going to, you know, invest in share 911. We're going to put intercoms like a gigantic amount of money. And I kept asking superintendents, I'm like, why is this, why did it take you five years after Sandy Hook to get here? 
you know, what's different about this? And I, and because it was blowing my mind that Sandy Hook was a, a worse incident. And like you said, there are incidents all the time. The shooting that happened in Maryland the other day was very, very interesting. And I thought pretty damn scary because, you know, it went down in what, you know, some people would consider to be the secure man trap or vestibule to protect the school. And that's where the shooting happened, you know, which I, I don't think anybody really thinks about. So there's, there was some dynamic about Parkland and a lot of people have told me that what was different was the response, you know, that the students stood up, that parents were like, you know, holy shit, what happened here? And, you know, how do we, we, this could happen anywhere, which, you know, was, was interesting. So one of the things that I've found very uh, cool about working with both of you is that you've developed this great relationship that I, I think you're very proud of. And it's different than what we see in a lot of school districts around the country. We work with districts that are, you know, single school, tiny districts with um, small police departments, all the way up to our largest customers out here in California that have 60 and 70 schools and they have their own unified police department and, you know, they have a lot of activity. But you seem to kind of have found this very respectful marriage between the two that I feel is fairly unique and certainly beneficial. Can you, can you tell people how, where, how that occurred and how do you make it work? So I, you know, so I, I was here um, 25 years before uh, Steve became the superintendent in Denville. Uh, and I'm fortunate that chiefs of police prior to me and police officers in Denville prior to me made it in an, an important item and a priority for the police officers and the police department to get along with the schools. And we just always had a cooperative conversational relationship with the schools. And and we had cooperation and um, good relationships that we would work together on juvenile investigations and we would occasionally, you know, have a bomb threat at the school or uh, we'd want to teach a program at the school. And so we, we made it important to be there. And, and I continued to foster that relationship. Now, it's, it's all about partnerships. And for whatever reason, with five different superintendents or school, uh, you know, presidents, um, I share a positive working relationship with all five of them. So it's, it, it, but the relationships are different. So there, there has to be compromise on, on both parts. Steve and I seem to be in lockstep with one another on school security. When, when, when I start a sentence, Steve seems to be able to finish it often uh, and vice versa. And, and, and we seem to understand one another. With some of the other superintendents or principals, I may have to work a little bit harder uh, there's a there was a principal from town that um, I worked with who has since retired, and I had a hard time convincing him that we really needed to lock the doors in the school, mm-hmm. and he was resistant. To that. He's like, you know, we have a big school, and these kids need to move about, and we have to be able to get them from point A to point B, and it took a long time, but um, I I would respectfully disagree, and he would respectfully disagree with me, and but we could cooperate and and work on other things. So it's it's it seems to be human nature for me. Um, we, you have to find a way to make it work. You have to find a way to make it work. Um, the police officers, the, the, the police department needs to be in the schools. They need to be. Um, and, and so if, 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 if the police chief is resistant to being in the schools, then 
the, the chief needs to, to find somebody new. And, and Steve often talks about that, that if the superintendent doesn't want cops in the schools, then he has to find a principal maybe that can, that can slowly work at it. Or you just keep chipping away at it. But it has to happen. Um, it, that I, I, it's unfortunate that we're having this conversation today because it doesn't seem that we're going to stop talking about school shootings this year. Um, so if, if, if there's either a police chief or a police department that thinks they don't need to be involved in school security because that's not their problem, or there's a superintendent that thinks the cops don't need to be in their schools, I, I mean, I say shame on them and, and just just find a way. Uh, so it's, it's, it's cooperation, it's partnerships, it's communication, and, and it really is just human nature. Just I'm, I don't teach kids. I have no idea how to teach kids. Um, and Steve's not a cop. He has no idea how police work works, but, but we talk mutually and we can understand school security together. Hmm. So I think, I think one of the, part of it has to do with like all the way back to Columbine. I was a teacher in 1999. My daughter was born in 2000. A book called She Said Yes came out in the year 2000, written about um, a girl named Casey Bernal, who was the uh, student in Columbine that when they asked her if you believe in God, she said yes. So I think even all the way back to then, I started thinking about these. Even though I didn't have the role, I wasn't in that role. I was a teacher at the time, and I wasn't responsible for everything. But I always remembered all that. And um, I mean, we're just fortunate here that we don't we check our egos at the door. Um, we we don't make decisions in a vacuum. Like he, the chief or the current chief or any of the police officers don't decide what they're going to do in the schools without consulting me and I don't decide any type of security things without consulting them. So we've gotten past all that. And I, and I do see that as a, as a stumbling block in some places, right. there's just not a relationship and they're not, they're not serious about it. And um, we've been serious about it and we've worked well together. And I think it's really just because we both have that one common thing that we know we have to do this. It's, it's our responsibility. Very often you hear, you know, Oh, you know, I don't do that. That's not my part of my job. So mm -hmm. one of our one of our pieces of our wheel, Eric, is is it's the top priority in the district and the community every day, all day. That's that's one of our pieces of the wheel. That's what we say when we go out on the road and talk about it. You you can't you can't learn if you're not safe. I mean, so we have to start off with you know you would think my top priority would be reading and writing, but my top priority before that is actually making sure. That we're doing everything we can to keep <coughs> students safe, and that's that's basically how all this came about. You, you, you know, know one, one, oh, sure, go ahead. I was just going to say one last thing. You know, um, I, I guess a little bit of motivation for me is you know being on the receiving end of a, a media microphone. You know, seeing somebody from you know Fox News or CNN coming to Denville after an event and saying, you know, Chief, you just had this catastrophic, you know, event at your schools, what have you been doing? Like, mm -hmm. how did this happen? Um, and I just, I, I, I wasn't going to be the person who, who answered with, well, you know, I wasn't really prepared or didn't think that was going to happen here. But right. you, we, we live in a world, particularly in police work, where anything will happen anywhere and, and you just have to be prepared. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The last thing I want to talk about is training and, and oftentimes, to the point that you just made, I, I talked to school administrators and district administrators who kind of have this, it's not gonna happen here philosophy. 
And I always compare it to my work as a volunteer fire and rescue guy because, you know, we were charged primarily with vehicular extrication and like, you know, all sorts of crazy shit that might go down in your town. And we would always push that envelope. You know, you don't do, you don't train for vehicle extrication by, you know, parking a car over in a spot and, you know, opening the doors with a key. When you put the car, you know, off of a cliff, upside down, and, it, and you're covering it in water, and, you know, there's all these crazy circumstances, that's when you're really testing yourself for what might happen. And if you can be ready for the worst case scenario, you're going to be ready for everything that leads up to that. And uh, I think that that kind of brings me into my, uh, the last topic, which is training. Just recently, there seems to be some people around the country talking about whether all this, you know, focus on active shooter training and lockdown drills, whether it's good or bad or how it should be measured. I think what you're doing in Denville and, and all the times that we were on site for drills, it's great because you had this philosophy of bringing your officers into the drills. They're, they're there. It's not one cop. It's every cop. There were many times when you were there. Um, what do you think the right mix is? Do you think the drills that go on in schools that are, you know, let's call them lockdown drills or active shooter drills or whatever, do you think they're effective and how can they be measured in a way that you can say, this is preparing us for that situation and not that we're just checking the box because we're mandated to do this drill? So I, yeah, so absolutely they are effective. There's no doubt about it that we are better today than we were a year ago and we're way better than today than we were 10 or 15 years ago when we began doing these. Um, from, from two perspectives, from the police perspective and from the, the, the students and staff in the schools. Um, we continue to refine our, uh, we call them lockdown drills. We just, we call it what it is. There's no secret words. It's a, it's a lockdown drill. We don't say active shooter because we might lock you down for something other than an active shooter. It might be somebody that just drove a car through the front door. Right. So we just say a lockdown drill. And, um, you know, we, we're very careful because I, I, I've seen and heard, I can't believe people do it, um, people that surprise the school with kids in it that do, you know, blowing off a, a caps or blanks from a gun, that's right. just insanity. That's, that's absolutely insane. But um, we talk to the staff first. We let the staff know what's expected. We, we believe in the Alice philosophy here in Denville of providing people um, really options-based training, right? We tell everyone lockdown first, but then think about where you're at. And if you have to do something else, run, hide, fight, survive. That's what we tell them. Survive the incident, whatever you need to do to do that. Right. Um, and you're right. So we, we made it a priority that with eight schools in town, more than half of our police officers are not from Denville. So they didn't go to schools in Denville. So they don't know where the cafeteria is. They don't know how to get to the stage in the auditorium. They don't know where the kindergarten classroom is. So the way we combat that is we, we encourage them to walk the schools whenever they can. If they're slow on one day, just park your car and go walk to school. But what we mandate they have to do is once a month, we're mandated in the state of New Jersey to have a drill in every school. And those drills are done, again, cooperatively, right? We, we, we cooperate with the school. We do it in partnership with the school but the police department schedules them. When we have enough cops working, we pick a time mutually together. We don't do it in the middle of testing or, or on a snowy day or a rainy day. Um, but we make every working available police officer go to that school and stand in the lobby. And then they each get a section of the school and they call the lockdown 
And then we walked the hallways and we released the lockdown with keys to the classroom with a, with a school administrator. And so every cop has, has at least once in their first year of their career walked down the hallway of every school. And right. so they, they might still not remember where the auditorium is, but they've been there once before. And if, and if given a, a you know, a, hey, remember you go in that stairwell, they can find their way. So it's critically important to us. And, and I know that the chief of police after me is, is maintaining the level of importance for uh, this training. And I, I also think from, a, a, from the children's perspective, I think it was scary at first. I had kids in school. Um, my own kids in the high schools when we started these drills. Um, and it was a little bit scary, but I'm sure that 30 years ago, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years ago, when we did air raid drills for nuclear bombs and, and when we started fire drills in the turn of the century, um, I'm sure that was scary for kids. And now when a fire alarm goes off for a school, it doesn't even affect the blood pressure of the school. It's, oh, the fire alarm went off. So, so we're getting where we need to be. Um, there's nothing wrong with effectively and safely training to prepare for this. And I think, I, I think Eric, there was, a, there was a shooting at a small school in California where they were miles away from the first police officer. There was a shooting outside the, the building. They locked that school down and no one could get in the school and every single person survived that. So it's working and, and we're making a difference. We are. Yeah, I think Eric. You know, one of the things, and and you know what, that is part. Of it. There is there is concern you, when you when you do all these drills and you make it, you know, all the police and weapons in the school, and and sometimes you hear about kids, you know, getting overwhelmed by that and and having some kind of traumatic experience. Um, the thing is, in our place, it's just so normal for the police to be here that it's not. It doesn't matter. Like. You know, if, if I was a, when I was superintendent in other places and, or principal, or you, you just hear, oh, my God, why are there three police cars at the school? In our place, you know, there's six police cars at the school and nobody says anything because they're there all the time. Right. So I, I, I think for us, it's kind of like the perfect storm. All this stuff kind of came together. It wasn't like one thing. It was just so many different things, like just having that mentality of the police being around. Um, we have a community type police force here you know, with their coffees with the cops and, and they come to all, all kinds of events. I mean, the chief has spoken at our, at our faculty, at our back to school faculty convocation for the last few years. So we're, we're, it's just part of the culture here. It's not like, wow, there's a cop here. Oh my God, something's wrong. It's, Hey, look, there's a police officer here. There's my friend, you know, so it's not the same. Right. And, I, and I, I, good. I, I think too, Eric, for, for the police administrators that might listen to this, that it's important to know that this didn't happen overnight. This is 15 years in the making, right? Like it, it's, it's just like going into the schools. You start with what's free, right? Lock the front door. So you start with what, what's free from a police department. Well, what's free is sending your cops while they're working to the schools, right? To while you're on patrol, driving around, driving around. And, you know, we, we purchased rifles many, many years ago for our police cars. And just this year when I left, we purchased 10 more, right? So we had gone from having five to 10. I think when we left, we had 22 or 25 rifles in our, in our police cars so that every car had them. In some of our schools, we have them in the schools. They're in the building in a, in a safe. And, and so, so that, that costs money and that costs time. Um, you know, we're, we're doing bleeding control now where we've actually trained in one school 
we've trained students and teachers how to apply tourniquets and, and quick clap. It's a vocational school where there are nursing students and law and public safety students that are volunteer firemen and first aiders. Why right. not teach them? So, so there's, a, there's a lot to do. Just don't be overwhelmed by it. Make, sit down one day and make a list and look at what's free that you can do today and do one thing. And then, and then if it takes you three months to get to the next, that's fine. But just make sure you're doing things. That's all. Yeah. I, and it's kind of funny because um, as you were just talking, this, it kind of came full circle, right? We started talking about Parkland and, and, the, and how it was responded to and, and how people can you know, judge and say what went down there. And I think that what you just talked about is really critical because uh, I was thinking about the 2013 shooting at the Garden State Plaza Shopping Center where a single active shooter walked into the building and I think it was almost 200 cops responded um, to the incident and many of those officers had never been in the mall before. They had no idea where things were. They had difficulty navigating to where they were being told to go. They would be, you know, someone would say, go to the Apple store on the lower level and if I shop in the mall all the time, I know where the Apple store is. But if this is the first time I've ever been in a 2.5 million square foot building and there's chaos raining around me, it's going to be hard to find that. So I think that your notion of, you know, let the cops walk the building is super critical. And on top of that, having, you know, having all the, the readiness, the, the right weapons. I happened to be at Garden State Plaza this year after Black Friday, which was the mall was just completely wall to wall with people. But there were also heavily armed uh, police officers, you know, walking around the mall with AR-15s, you know, on their chest, ready to go. And I think that when you talk about the measurement or the the after action, those are the types of places, whether it's a school or a, a gigantic building, where if something does happen, people are going to say, were you doing everything that you could? You know, and that's kind of been a common theme. Did we do everything that we could? Could, can we have the officers there faster? Sure, sure. If they're in the building, they're going to be there super fast and they have to have the right equipment. So I'm going to wrap this up here. I, I think that this was great. I hope that school administrators and, and law enforcement folks find it really beneficial. Uh, I think that they can, they can easily connect with you. Uh, you know, if they want to follow up, I know Chris, you're on LinkedIn. Uh, Steve, you're if they find you at the Denville Township uh, Schools website, I'm sure they can get your email. Uh, yep. I want to just thank you both for uh, the relationship that we've had over these years. You were one of our first customers, and uh, we've always enjoyed working with you all. And, Chief, I hope nothing but the best for you in your retirement. And for everybody listening, thanks for tuning in. I hope you found it beneficial. Uh, we're going to be doing these weekly. And uh, if you have someone that you think we should have on, a lot of people have been contacting me since I put this out there, offering to be guests or recommending people, which is great. And feel free to follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you are. And uh, for more information about Chair 911, visit our website, onscenetechnologies.com, uh, where you can learn all about uh, how that works. So that's it. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome.